Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 386. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. How you feeling? Yeah, I, you know, I'm all right. Better. Yeah. Better. Definitely, definitely better. Definitely better. This week on the show, we're going to be taking a look at the Netflix thriller, His House, along with someone we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Now, I know that this is not a political podcast. Some of you may be having some election fatigue, but we're recording this on Sunday. And I just felt like I had to acknowledge the historic win for President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. I just had to briefly talk about it because I'm just throw it out there. I'm just so I just you haven't heard I mean I feel like this is like the first time I just feel this this giant weight lifted off my shoulders it just feels good you know it just feels good it does it does it does feel it does feel better still not good but better I I feel like we're starting relief yeah the last four years have been so challenging for so many of us as this fascist tyrant held the highest level of office, emboldening these these racist, xenophobic, ignorant people. But thankfully, democracy has prevailed and the majority of people have decided that it's time to wake up from this horrible nightmare that we're in. So I think that... I think that it's time that we start healing as a nation and start to, you know, I think that, that it's interesting that his, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's been saying here in, in recent days has been all about like unifying the country and bringing us back together and stuff. And I think that that's really great. And I think that, um, I think that he will succeed and I think that he'll be a good president. And, but also, uh, I think that uh, we deserve to gloat a little bit. I think we enjoy, we, we have, we deserve to enjoy watching Trump and his awful family and his cronies squirm a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I got to say that I'm really enjoying that part of it too. Yeah, I just remembered Total Landscaping. <laughs> total, four seasons, Total Landscaping. Oh, oh man! I mean, like just incredible scenes, just incredible scenes. I don't know if if Four Seasons Total Landscaping T-shirts exist, but I want one. Someone I did see that someone made one, and it it you know it says that, and then it's uh, on the the left of it is a picture of Gritty driving a riding lawnmower. Oh man, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, how did you feel about PA? You know, you're you're a PA resident. I'm a former PA resident. You're a PA voter. How did you feel about it all coming down to yeah. to your home state, my home state? I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, you sound thrilled. You sound ecstatic. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited. It's still it's still awful with the the pandemic and everything. So like I was pretty excited yesterday. And like I said, I, it's better, but it's still awful. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, especially because I'm not, I'm not trying to get too excited. 
I mean, especially because we're recording this on November 8th, so we still have several months of Trump before <laughs> before the inauguration. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have to stick it out for a little while longer before anything can be done, unfortunately. Yeah. And plus, uh, you know, the pandemic is just like the number of cases oh yeah record numbers of of cases it's it's horrific and it's funny because it just seems like so many businesses and and things were just like you know what forget it we're done we're just done we we failed we we failed at at containing this covid thing so we're just gonna we're gonna go out swinging we're gonna stay open exactly and that's that's where that's where i'm currently at because because, i'm just like like i'm at work all the time yeah i mean like but the, the fun that's the funny thing is like your work was closed for several months you were you were at home but it's worse now and yet you're still mm-hmm. forced to go in so you know what what has changed <laughs> where they're like okay well we're, it's worse now than it was but we're still going to make you go in yeah it's it's like every 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 day waking up is russian roulette that's what it feels like but it's not not only is it like is is it going to be a bullet in the chamber? It's ten, that's spread across ten hours. So I have to work ten hour days. Yeah, that's that's awful. Just just awful. All right. Well, keeping with sort of uh, social commentary, I believe that our movie this week has a, a fair share of social commentary in it. And while mm-hmm. it, is, it is a British film, I think that the messaging can be easily translated to, to pretty much any country and including the u.s yeah. we're talking about his house this is directed by remy weeks uh, i have a synopsis here a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn south sudan but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an english town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface uh, this uh, stars uh sope derisu and Wonmi Musaku, uh, who you, if you're watching the, uh, the show Lovecraft Country on HBO, she's one of the uh, main characters in that show. And she is incredible in that show. And she's actually, she does a really good job in this movie as well. Really, really, Correct. really great performance uh, by her and her and her co-star, uh, Sope. They play a the husband and wife couple who the the film opens with them in like a refugee detention center type place, and they find out that they got accepted to get out of the detention center and put into this horrific uh, like government run housing thing. And uh, as the synopsis hints at they start seeing these like it, it's it's kind of like a haunted house story really when when you when you boil mm-hmm. it down it's it's pretty much a haunted house story but one of the kind of interesting twists here is that they can't leave the house so the stipulations that they have to abide by are that they can't work which is weird i thought that they're not allowed mm-hmm. they're not yeah. allowed to get jobs they they and they have to stay in the house that was given to them so they're they're basically trapped there and they're and they're making 
uh, I believe it was like 75 pounds a week for like food and clothing and stuff, which is, you know, nothing. Yeah. So they're, they're essentially trapped in this house where there are what appear to be demons haunting them in there, which is obviously a, a metaphor for the, the trauma that they endured to get over to England. And then there's also an extra layer in there. There's, there's kind of a secret that, yeah. that, they're, totally that, that they're, that they're holding that, that comes back. And I don't want to spoil it. Cause this is a movie that is relatively new. It just hit Netflix on the 30th of October. So Kevin, what were your initial impressions of his house? It's difficult because I feel like that revelation, that secret is by far the most interesting thing about this movie. It's, it's something that I did not see coming whatsoever. And the way that it's handled, the execution of it just took this movie to a different level. Cause up until that point, for me, I thought that this was a, a decent enough like haunted house type movie. It was interesting enough. It was different enough, but to me, it wasn't drastically different from, you know, much of what I've seen mm-hmm. from that type of genre outside of the characters, uh, you know, their background and the social commentary that's, that's tied in there. But that revelation, that change completely flips this movie into something completely different, which just took me by surprise. I did not see it coming. And it just like completely derailed me, discombobulated <laughs> where I was and the way that, you know, the way that I saw these characters, you know what I mean? Like it completely changes everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought it was an absolutely bold move. Yeah. And the, the only thing that they got me, which this happens in a lot of movies. And it's, I think it's just like a, a creative choice it comes down to is kind of the, the towards the end, like the manifestation of the, the quote unquote thing that's haunting them, you know, the demon or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, like the, the character design of that, uh, I thought was a letdown, but that's about it. Uh, I liked, I actually liked the character design. It it was funny when I was watching this and I, I, I guess my initial, thoughts about like Lovecraft country and the connection there was obviously one of the lead actors of being in Lovecraft country. But then as the film progressed, I was just seeing what felt like more similarities to that, especially there's this one specific episode of Lovecraft country that feels really similar to this, this movie. Yeah. But I thought that it was really intensely creepy. Like I, I, to me, this might've been, maybe the scariest movie I've seen this year. And I've seen a lot of horror movies yeah. this year. I'd like, I agree, I agree with you. I found it deeply unsettling. There are, there are jump scares in this. I, I would say that they are earned jump scares. Like, you know, like in a lot of movies that, that have tons of jump scares, a lot of them are just like, they're like false. You know, there's like the cat jumping out of the cupboard or whatever. And the, yeah. the, the jump scares in this movie, there's not, a ton of them. It's not like chock full, like just overwhelming you with jump scares. Um, but I think that the, the adherence to the very creepy atmosphere enhances those moments when it, when it happens. I mean, especially like 
there's like a, the scene when you see all the people through the wall. So like this house that they're in is so dilapidated and it's, it's essentially just falling apart. Like the wiring is bad. There's like holes in the wall. There's vermin. There's all this stuff. And as it progresses and gets worse and worse, you start to see people through the holes in the wall. And I thought that that was just in, so intensely creepy. And then there's this one scene uh, I, f- I think it's fairly early on when he's um, messing around with the holes in the wall and like pulling out the, all the wires and stuff. And you see this like f- this figure with this like twisted face right behind him and just, Oh yeah, that got me. Yeah. Th- there's yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of really good moments of terror in this that are, you know, punctuated with very real fears, like real life horror that that these two people are being forced to endure you know living in squalor uh, because they were gonna get killed you know the village that they were in there was like this civil war happening and their their family members were killed and so they're they're trying to escape this and you know just just survive and they're put in this situation where they're at the whim of these government workers uh one of whom is played by matt smith and they're just such awful shitbags that i think that it adds just it it adds to the kind of tension of the whole movie yeah and i think that's that's a good part of it too is that as much as this house that they're that they're giving is dilapidated and in disrepair like early on, they do a really good job of sprucing the place up. Like he he jumps straight into it, you know, mm-hmm. tearing the wallpaper off, getting the door fixed, and like you can see that, you know, if given to the right person, it can be revitalized. And there's this kind of hope where they're like, you know, they're they're starting to get their bearings. You know, they're they're starting to go out more into right. the community, and the good things are happening to them. And you know, you're, you're rooting for them. And then it all just kind of slowly, slowly starts to just degrade and kind of rock away. They don't even have a, really electricity in this house. Like they're they're put in this house and there's the lights don't even work. Now, yeah, and you can't have candles. No candles. Yeah, they're not allowed to have any candles. But then the lights don't work. I'm wondering what the bathroom situation was in this house because I don't think they ever showed the bathroom, but I bet it was. No, I bet it's it was, awful. I bet it's it was awful. really bad. You know it it's terrible. I, I'd like you to think now. I, I could be wrong. I could be very naive, but I'd like to think the real houses, like the real government housing that's given to refugees, is a little bit better than this. I'd like to think that. I, you can go ahead and think that. <laughs> But I have a feeling that not. I mean, this this wouldn't even this this house wasn't even up to code. Like it, of course, things could be different <laughs> over in the UK. <laughs> oh, tons of houses are not up to code. Yeah, it's it's true. Pretty pretty much any house built before like the eighties is probably not up to code. And I've seen my fair share of uh, like kind of scummy apartment complexes too. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's with, with people, you know, landlords that don't care. This is the government that's just like, we don't really want you here anyways. We're not going to do anything. Right. They're going to just do the bare minimum so they don't have any 
blood on their hands, but they're not actually going to set these people up for success. It, 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 it almost yeah. seems like when governments deal with refugee situations that they just, they don't, of, of course they don't really care. They don't want these people to thrive, but, but the, it's, it's so funny because it just, it goes against everything that they should be doing because why wouldn't you want to set these people up for success in your country to, you know, help contribute to yeah. society no, and to you. generate revenue and, and all of that. Yeah. No, you, you set them up to fail and then you can blame them. Yeah. It's awful. It's really, it's really disheartening. Uh, back to the movie though. I do want to say that, a couple of things that got me. One is that this being a a first film, you know, a debut, which it doesn't feel like at all. No, not at all. To me, this this feels like someone that's been around for a long time. Um, I was also kind of surprised and really welcomed the maybe not necessarily the like the flashback sequences, but some of the, the kind of like dreamlike sequences. Like when they were out in the ocean and everything, you know, when it, mm-hmm. it flashed back to that. Yeah, the um, kind of. There's this really amazing sequence where they're at the dinner table and the the two of them are mm-hmm. eating. The two of them are eating, and the camera just starts to pull back, and you see that it's just him sitting at the dinner table, and it keeps pulling back, and you see that all of a sudden, like the walls broken off, and he's like out in the middle of the ocean, sitting at this dinner table with like. Yeah in this like little chunk of the house and that that sequence just visually was really really yeah. sort of arresting that that moment so yeah i completely agree i think that a lot of the sort of dreamlike or like nightmare sequences looked really good and then there's this scene when like all of these dead bodies are like coming up out of the ocean and grabbing at him and stuff all i thought all of that yeah. all of that looked really pretty incredible yeah. I yeah i really appreciate all that stuff that's why you know when it started getting into that territory and even some of the um some of the, like the well-worn things that you see in the haunted house movies like the people that were kind of closing in on bull mm-hmm. like in the in like the living room area and when he would turn off the light and turn the light back on you know the switch between that i thought was fantastic yeah, just visually, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that I was I was really into, and then also too just the performances from the two, uh, Sophie and Wunmi, like I, I thought that they were absolutely fantastic and really kind of drove this drove this movie. I agree. I thought that I don't know if it was now. Yeah, to be clear, I thought that the performances, both performances, were were really incredible, but I didn't. I, I thought that the character work was a little underwhelming, like the just the actual characters themselves, uh, especially Bull. His, his character felt just a little. I think he was just too reserved, maybe. Uh, where I wanted a little bit more out of that character. Um, and I, and I See, think I really enjoyed. I I enjoyed his character. I don't, I don't know what a, I can't really quite put my finger on it, but I just found it to be a bit lacking and maybe it has more to do with like just the plot in and of itself and feeling like there's this like little bit of a second act lull where it felt like it maybe wasn't 
moving fast enough or there wasn't enough going on, but um I don't know. I, I start to it started to feel it drag a little bit in the second act, but I thought it recovered. Mm. And overall I just want to reiterate that as far as horror movies, twenty twenty horror movies go, I think this is one of one of my top ones by far. Yeah. And yeah, I and really agree. like I wasn't really sure I didn't know I didn't know a whole lot about this movie. I knew that I knew enough to be like, okay, yeah, like it was on my radar and I was interested in it. And I knew that it was about to a refugee couple in a house. And that's really all I knew. I suspected that it was going to be a haunted house movie, but I wasn't quite sure where they're going to go with it. So um, I, I really like haunted house movies too. Uh, just, just well, in general. And not only, not only it being a haunted house movie, but the tie in of like the folklore, like the Sudanese folklore of the apes that's it's like followed them there. I thought it was really, really interesting. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the secret that gets uncovered and kind of, you know, upends everything. It just, it, it, to me, it, worked, it all worked very, very well. Just different enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard haunted house movie in terms of, like, the scares. Not necessarily, like, the social commentary or anything. Right. But the way that they twist it, I thought it worked really, really well. I definitely recommend checking this out uh, oh, yeah. and, and it's on oh, Netflix. Yeah. So it it should be uh should be a no brainer to check this one out. It's very, very powerful. Easy. Very scary. Yeah, uh, where are you, where are you going? You're not going anywhere. Hopefully not. Fire it up. Yeah. Please don't stop going places. <laughs> uh, all right. That's his house. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it out of 10? Hmm. This is a tough one. I think I'm like a like seven or an eight. Maybe it's seven and a half, I guess. I'll split the difference. I'm at like a seven and a half on this one too. Seven, seven and a half. Somewhere somewhere around there. Yeah. Really, really solid. All right. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I guess I'll kick it off this week. I saw uh, a while ago. We didn't, we didn't do a watch list last week because of the Halloween special. So I'll just, I, I don't have that much to go over anyway. I saw Borat subsequent movie film. This is on Amazon mm-hmm. prime. So if you haven't checked this out yet, it is available on Amazon prime. It's directed by Jason Walliner. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with Borat, if you saw the first Borat and you liked it and you thought it was funny, then give this one a look. Cause it's really funny. It's, you know, the, the chock full of that, uh, social satire and it's very relevant because a lot of it deals with Trump and a lot of it deals with the election and COVID. I was actually kind of surprised at how quickly they were able to turn this around because a great, a good deal of it takes place during COVID. And mm-hmm. there's this yeah. like, there's this like one scene when he, he ends up staying with these, uh, these these guys li- who live in this cabin and they're of course they're all like covid deniers and they're like big trumper people and he like becomes friends with them it, it's it was kind of hard like in the in the first one it was really easy to sort of tell the s- scripted moments compared to the like the real life hidden camera style stuff in this one it was a mm-hmm. little bit more the lines were a little bit more blurred uh, i think a lot of it felt like 
the people who you know we were were supposed to be laughing at were kind of in on the joke like there there were just too many things in this where you're just like there's there's no way this person doesn't know that this is a bit right <laughs> like they go yeah. I, I mean the, the, so the the plot line here is that uh Kazakhstan sends Borat back to America in order to present a gift to the president but it turns out that Borat's daughter the the gift was a a monkey and it turns out that that Borat's daughter sneaks into the monkey's crate and gets shipped over to America with the monkey and she eats the monkey on the way and they change their plan to present the daughter to Mike Pence and they're going to get he's going to gift the daughter to Mike Pence and mm-hmm. so it's like this kind of road trip thing where they're trying to get to Mike Pence so that he can present his daughter to her uh to be his new wife and she's like 15 mm-hmm. so and uh you know of course that ends up leading to the infamous thing that everyone's talking about with Giuliani where she interviews Borat's daughter interviews uh I should mention that the she's played by uh Maria Bakalova. She interviews Giuliani and then there's the whole like masturbation thing that happens which I got to say like I don't like Rudy Giuliani. I think he's a awful person. I think he's a freaking monster, but I don't think he was masturbating in that scene. Like when you see it, it looks like he's tucking he it does look like he's tucking his shirt in. He does it in a weird Not way. Right. He does it in a weird way, but he was talking because she she starts like seducing him and she's playing a 15 year old girl and she's like pulling she she pulls his shirt out like she undoes his shirt and then he he's sitting on the bed and he lays down on the bed and tucks the shirt in so i it was inappropriate he shouldn't have let it go that far and he's an idiot for not knowing or not picking up on the fact that it's a bit and he was like touching her really inappropriately the whole time so i'm not giving him a pass on any of this but when it comes to the the jerking off thing i don't think it was i don't think that's what he was doing yeah at any rate uh it it is really funny and i do recommend checking it out Uh, again it's on amazon prime so you can give it a look all right all right uh, I have one from Amazon Prime as well, and that's Asylum from 1972, mm. directed by Roy Ward Baker. This is an early horror anthology movie, horror anthology from 1972. So it, the way that this is set up, and for me, this really this works really really well. Like the the the, the through line narrative, working with like the shorts within it. So it's a young psychiatrist who arrives at a mental institution out in the countryside. Huge, massive complex. I mean, just huge, sprawling. This is a, this is an English movie, by the way. So the interesting thing, though, is once he gets inside, there's only four patients, which seems kind of ridiculous considering how big this place is. Uh, so what he finds out, he's there for a job interview. And he finds out that the guy that ran the facility, the, the head doctor, has lost his mind and now has become one of the patients that's housed upstairs, one of the four patients, right? So in order for him to get this job, 
what he has to do is go upstairs, interview the four patients, and then uh, essentially guess which one is the former head doctor of the facility using his, his expertise, right? So the anthology portion of this movie, of course, is broken into the different stories uh, from the interviews. So each patient that he goes to and he interviews them, they kind of give them a story of like how they got there, what, what broke them. Uh, and of course, there are varying degrees of quality, as you might expect. Some are interesting, some not, some are suspenseful, others, of course, are not. But it's an eclectic mix of supernatural. Unfortunately, some of it is, you know, it's, I guess, maybe because of the 70s, some of it is downright corny and humorous. Like the last one is this guy who's creating these little, like, soldiers. They're like little automatons, and they're just really silly looking, and they move really, really slowly. So there's this long sequence of one of them leaving the room and getting downstairs to the staff. And it's so it's cutting back and forth between this automaton walking very, very slowly. And it's really silly looking too. It's just so dumb. <laughs> and it cuts back to the guy who's controlling it with his mind, just intense concentration. And it's, you know, it's just cutting back and forth. And of course it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be building suspense, but like you, you just start laughing. Like it's just so silly. All of it's so silly. But some of the other stuff is, is actually pretty good. Like the first one, the guy chops up his wife, throws her in a freezer, and all the body parts, you know, they're kind of wound up in butcher paper and twine. They, they come back. They mm. come back to life and get them. Oh, yeah. And uh, it has a, 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 a young Charlotte Rampling, which made me realize that I've seen a ton of her movies. But this might be the first one that I've seen that where she's actually like young in a movie. Did you see the Night Porter? No, I did not. I think that that was like one of the ones that sort of broke her out. Yeah, I think that is probably her biggest movie from back then. When did this? this is she, when did this one come out again? This is nineteen nineteen seventy two. She plays okay. she plays one of the the, the patients. So she has a little story in there. Got it. Got it. Uh, all right. It's decent. It is. Decent. It seems, seems like a decent little little horror anthology. Uh, I, I saw... The ending. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that. I, I enjoyed the ending. I was kind of surprised by the ending, how they finished it up. They wrapped it up. Very nice. I saw Spiral. Uh, this is directed by Curtis David Harder. This is on Shudder. This is a Shutter original. It's a, it's a movie about this. It takes place in 1995, I believe, mid-90s. And it involves a, a same-sex couple who move into this, this quaint little town in order to, to get out of the big city, get out of the stress, relax a little bit. Um, and they have a, a 16-year-old daughter. And... Stuff starts acting a little bit weird in this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, mm-hmm. at first, it seems like the the people there are accepting of them, 
but as it as it progresses, one of the guys, uh, his name's uh, Malik, uh, played by Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, he starts to suspect there's something nefarious happening here. He starts witnessing some weird stuff. Uh, he's like looking across the street one night at his, his his neighbor's house, and he sees what appears to be some kind of ritual happening, and. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of intrigue, lots of intrigue. Like, where's this going to go? Because it's it's sort of like this, almost like a mystery. And then, unfortunately, uh, it, it sort of goes down that path of, oh, is he crazy? Or is what he he's witnessing actually happening? And mm-hmm. I just found it to be a bit of a bummer. Like, I was really, really into this movie all the way up maybe until the final act when all the big like revelations started to drop. And, you know, it it turns out to be this pretty conventional, you know, white suburban cult movie. And I just, I felt like I wanted something a bit more out of it because that buildup was so satisfying like the the characters were good like there was there were a lot of really good characters there were some really kind of creepy moments uh as like because what happens is he starts to see evidence that these neighbors of his like may be immortal because he starts he starts finding like really really old photographs of them and they haven't aged at all so there's Mm -hmm. there's you know, there's just a lot of, and then there's like other sort of like these creepy, like spiral symbols that start showing up everywhere and stuff. But I just, I hate movies. I don't hate movies, but I dislike the, the trope of is the main character crazy? Is it all in his head yeah. or, or is there something really happening here? No, that's just annoying. That's just really disappointing. And, and the thing that makes it, the thing that makes it more frustrating is that nobody believes him at all. Like his stepdaughter doesn't believe him. His husband doesn't believe him. Like nobody is listening to him at all. And that's frustrating too, because to me it presents sort of a catch 22 with the movie. So it's either he's crazy and I'm wasting my time with this movie or he's sane Mm -hmm. And everyone around him isn't listening to him or believing anything that he's saying. And it's just as frustrating. Yeah. So unfortunately I can't really recommend spiral. Although the, I think that the, like the setup is, is uh, quite, quite good. Okay. All right. I can recommend a mystery movie and it's available on Hulu. And that is disappearance at Clifton Hill from 2019, directed by Albert Shin. This is a Canadian film taking place in and around Niagara Falls. So it's starring uh, Tuppets Middleton and Hannah Gross as sisters. And it, to me, it was pretty much a damn near perfect mystery. It's got, it's got your amateur sleuthing, which is phenomenal. Love it. Uh, and there's a little bit of a twist here because the central character, the one doing the sleuthing, is played by Middleton, and her character is extremely untrustworthy, is what you find out throughout the movie. Like it, it keeps, you know, giving you more and more of her background, 
which is that she has a, a very, very large problem with lying. So that plays into it. Um, and what she's doing is she's trying, she's attempting to solve a kidnapping that she witnessed when she was like nine years old at this like this nature park. She was there with her family and they were fishing and she went off into the woods to get water and she ended up seeing this, this young boy and he gets kidnapped. And then, you know, later on in her life, she decides like, oh yeah, I should find out what's what's going on with that. But of course she has this long history of being, you know, untrustworthy, just making stuff up, tall tales and whatnot. So everyone's like, oh, you're just making shit up again. Uh, but, you know, she starts getting clues. Things start coming together. And the person that helps her the most, really, is David Cronenberg. He's in this movie. That's right. I remember and reading he, about this. He's like a podcaster, right? Yeah, oh boy, he <laughs> is. So he had a career as he, he was a die. His, his family it was they were divers, and they would rescue people, you know, from the gorge or from Niagara Falls, and that was his whole thing. He was he was a rescue diver, but he's given that up recently for a podcasting career uh, in the in the in the basement of his his diner that he has. And he mentions his podcast at every opportunity. And he even tells people, you know, complete strangers that, you know, be sure to, to rate and review the podcast because it helps him with the rankings. So I enjoyed that, that uh, little bit of aspect of, of David Cronenberg. Um, but it's just, to me, it's a great small town mystery. You've got this corporate conglomerate that owns like the majority of the town. And of course they're, they're wrapped up in this kidnapping and they got all sorts of secrets and also who's involved magicians with tigers. Like what more do you want? Yeah. I'm going to have to give this a look. Yeah, it's great. And the cinematography is fantastic. Uh, Catherine Lutz, the the way she captures like the blinking lights and the energy of like the, the edge of the city with the hotels and the casinos and the novelty shops and stuff. Like, it's just, it's great. I had so much fun with this. This is exactly what I was looking for in the mystery. All right. That's uh, Disappearance at Clifton Hill. Check that out on Hulu. Uh, I saw Fade to Black from 1980. This is directed by Vernon Zimmerman. I watched this on Shudder. This is sort of a horror movie, I I, I guess. It's, It's more like one of these sort of taxi driver joker style movies about a young Mm. young white man who's just fed up with society bringing him down just overbearing everybody's bullying him and he's got a crappy job and his aunt is mean to him but the thing Mm. about this movie is he's obsessed with movies he is a movie nut he's a cinephile huh yeah Specifically, like classic cinema. So he's he's all into like, you know, old old cinema, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Universal monsters, and you know, Casablanca and and the classics. And yeah, sounds like an interesting guy. Yeah, he and he's like, he knows everything. He knows all about 
classic cinema. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just eventually like it, people are mean to him at his work cause he's weird and creepy and, um, he yeah. just gets fed up and he starts killing people. But the way that he does it is he dresses up as characters from these classic movies and kills them in, in such a way that, uh, yeah, it, he mimics those, mm-hmm. those movies. Uh, I feel yeah. like, I've, I feel like a movie like this is sort of damaging when watching it today, because I think that not only does it play into like the incel crowd, but it also plays into the whole violent movies beget real life violence theory. And uh, yeah. so I feel like uh, this is not a movie that should be really revered or talked about in 2020. Gotcha. It was, it, it needs to be ignored. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fine. You know, it, it, it's because it came out in 1980, it feels very much like a seventies horror movie, um, which is, which is totally fine. Um, and I, I, yeah, it was just, maybe average sort of straight down the middle for me. I mean, the big, the big thing is like, I did not like the main character uh, played by Dennis, Dennis Christopher. His name's Eric Binford Binford. Yeah. I just didn't, just didn't like his character. And I think that that's kind of just what it boils down to is I, I was not a fan of him. He bothered me. So anyway, that's uh, fade to black. Yeah, that's all I have. I'm done. Okay, uh, I'll mention one more, and that's the New Mutants. That's right. Oh, look at you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the movie that no one thought would ever come out, it actually came yeah. out. This Watch is out. yeah. This is directed by Josh Boone. Uh, full disclosure: I did not finish this movie because I was watching it right before we recorded, and so I have about ten minutes left. So I think that mm. with only 10 minutes left, I think that I can, I have a fair assessment of this movie uh, and it's garbage. Like it's just complete garbage. No, oh, no. Yeah. You know, when this movie was first announced and when, when the first trailer dropped and it looked like it was going to be a horror movie and they were saying it was a horror movie. They're like, Oh, it's a horror movie, but it's set in the X-Men universe and it's about these, you know, young mutants that have powers that are like stuck in this crazy hospital. And there's something that's going after them. And it's sort of like that, but it is not, it's not, not really a horror movie. It's, it's not, Mm. it's pretty much, it feels like a CW show. Like that's what it feels like. The Mm. writing is horrible. Uh, It's sad because there's some really good actors in this movie, but they're not given anything to work with. And I feel like Josh Boone now it's entirely possible. Like I, I had heard that there was all kinds of like re, like reshoots done with this and like lots of editing and all that stuff. Maybe at some point there was a good story here and a good movie here, but as it stands now, this, this movie is just, it's not good. There's there way too much teen drama in it to take it seriously, but not only that, the, the teen drama that unfolds happens like way too quickly. Like the two main characters develop a relationship with each other, but it feels like it's so haphazardly thrown in there. It don't, it almost feels like that wasn't even in the original script and that they just threw it in 
for the hell of it. I, I'm not sure why it's even there. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's, there's some cool sequences. There's some cool powers being utilized, but none of it works on any level because the characters are so bland and not, none of them are given quite enough time to actually develop them. I mean, they give each character a backstory, but it's not quite enough to develop any kind of attachment to these people. And like, it's absurd. Like the story is absurd. Like so you have a cast of five main characters. They're the only people in this hospital. Like they're the only ones. There's no one else. So it's the five of them and one doctor and that's it. Like there's no orderlies. There's no other patients or anything like that. It's just this six people in this whole movie. And it's just that, that in and of itself feels really weird. And the dialogue is stilted. It's just none of it. None of it really works again. Maybe at some point there, this was, you know, a really cool horror movie. Yeah. X-Men horror movie. But the final product is absolutely not that, which is really disappointing because I think that they had, I think they definitely had something here that for whatever reason, you know, studio intervention or whatever, uh, just like, I don't know if Disney, because I mean, I I know that this movie was shot before the Disney, um, not merger, but uh, acquisition of Fox. So I don't know if Disney had a hand in like re-editing it or I don't know what, but it's just not good. Well, I think also considering the fact that I think you've been waiting for like eight years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time, a really long time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Sorry, that didn't work out for me. Well, I, 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 when it when it hit theaters, when they made the decision to release it in theaters. Uh, despite the pandemic, like I kind of knew, like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, this is not gonna." I can already tell that this is not gonna be very good. Which is such an awful evil move, because like if you, especially if you knew that it wasn't a good movie. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I had the same and sentiment about really um, want to. Yeah, I had the same sentiment about Tenet. Like, I didn't think that they should have released Tenet in theaters and. It didn't do well yeah. at all. Oh, no. Made made no money at all. And then, you know, it didn't even, I don't even think it got released in New York and LA because the, all the theaters were closed in those two yeah. major markets. And then, you know, now it's going to get, it's coming out on VOD like December 13th or something. So we'll finally get to see it. Yeah. They did the same, same thing with Synchronic, the new Benson and Moorhead. And the two of them came out with, they, they sent out a, a tweet that was basically like, yeah, don't go to the theater to see Please this movie. Go. Yeah. It's not safe. Don't go. Yeah. I mean, it was out of their control. Which it's, it's, yeah. Which is nice. And that's understandable. It's totally out of your control, but I feel like it's, it's something different. Like it's like tenant. I think everything, everyone involved with that movie is like, Hey, this is a good movie. Let's put it in theaters. I think with new Mutants, it's, it's more messed up to be like, this isn't good. Let's throw it out there. Yeah, I mean, they knew, they had to know. They had to know that it wasn't going to be received very well. So I don't know why they didn't just, I mean, you you look at a movie like Mulan, you know, that's like a major high profile live action Disney movie, big budget. And they released that on Disney Plus. Like, 
Why would yeah. you not do the same thing for New Mutants? Because New Mutants wanted to kill some people. Too. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand yeah. that they were like, all right, look, we pushed this thing back for like five years. We need to release it. I don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't just be like, let's put it out on VOD. I mean, this, this feels yeah. like a VOD. When you see it, you're just like, oh, wow, yeah. I could easily see this being a Netflix movie. There's like nothing about this that screams, you got to see it on the big screen. Like Tenet, I could yeah. probably understand. Like, see it on the big screen. New Mutants, not so much. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 10th, we have Transference, a love story. Don't have a tagline for that. We have Sleepless Sleepless Beauty. Uh-huh. Control is only a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Sure is. We got Where She Lies. That is a, a documentary, I believe. Uh, we have Honeybee, an unpredictable tale of survival that follows the journey of quick-witted Natalie, an underage truck stop sex worker ensnared by her ruthless Romeo pimp boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Don't get that confused with Honey Dew, which is coming out, I think, fairly soon. That sounds like a very, very interesting horror movie. Uh, I've heard really good things about yeah. that. I'm looking forward to that movie. I'm, I'm a little pissed because I had the opportunity to see it at like at least two of the festivals that I covered this year, and it eluded me like every time. So, yeah. Well, no, not anymore. You're going to get soon, it. Soon, soon, yeah. We have Secret Zoo. Uh, we have Dave not coming back. That's a documentary. This actually sounds kind of interesting. It's about two scuba divers who they broke the world record depth diving depth for this, uh, this cave in South Africa. And when they went down there, they found a dead body and they decided, they decided that they're going to go back down to recover the dead body. And one of them, doesn't make it dave dave does not come back uh, no it's two dead bodies yeah it says it would can't leave well enough alone it says it would take them 15 minutes to reach the bottom but 12 hours to surface jesus why i don't know i have to watch the documentary to find out it looks like it has a really strange tone to it like it seems like it would be a really serious kind of heart-wrenching story about this guy who died you know trying to dive down and recover this body but it seems like there's a lot more to it than that no and just just the title dave not coming back is you know i don't know i think i'll give it a look though we have the dark divide starring uh deborah messing and david cross <laughs> what? It just sounds like you just made that up. <laughs> I, you just fucking made that up. You're on some website. The the tag like the, the tagline of this one is get lost, find yourself. <laughs> and the poster's like <laughs> a butterfly with some mountains in it and a forest. Oh boy. That sounds awful. Uh, we have maybe next year the true story of underdogs told by the underdogs. It's uh, the 
it's another this is another documentary it's the story of one of the most incredible football seasons in history as experienced oh, by the, by the fans themselves this might be about the eagles yeah. the eagles the eagles yeah on the 11th we have my summer as a goth sometimes you need to go to the dark side to see the light mhm I saw the trailer. Sure. When I got the email about this, I was like, I have to see this trailer. So I gave this trailer a look, and it is... It looks so offensively bad. Like, it doesn't look yeah. like the people who wrote this movie have any idea, like, anything about goth culture. Like, it just seemed like maybe they saw some something, on, like a picture of someone who is a goth on the internet and decided to write a movie about it. Interesting. They're just going, it's probably just all based on stereotypes. Yeah, it seems that way. Looks looks terrible. Cool. Also on the 11th, we have Coded Bias. This is an, uh, another documentary that's about a um, facial recognition algorithms and different racial biases that are sort of inherently programmed into them and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. It looks interesting. Uh, on the 12th, we have Transhood on HBO. This is another documentary about young trans people. So these are, these are kids going through transition. Gotcha. Following the lives of transgender youths ages 4, 7, 12, and 15. We have Divine Love. This is going to be a virtual theatrical release. True Love Shares, according, mm. according to the poster takes place in the year hmm. 2027 oh, not too far off yep uh that's did I, I don't know if i mentioned that's on the 13th and then also on the 13th we have habitual which looks like uh some kind of horror movie we have derelicts which is another horror movie we have chick fight which is a, a comedy starring Malin ackerman bella thorne and alec baldwin hit like a girl is the tagline for that one so mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice, clever. Yep, we have Echo Boomers. What? Echo Boomers. <laughs> Don't get mad, get everything. This stars Patrick Schwarzenegger, Alex Pettifer, and Michael Shannon. What? Echo <laughs> Boomers. Echo Boomers. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm watching it. Unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, that is a Saban Films film. So, I mean, it's so funny when you look at the Saban Films lineup because you can just, at this point, you can just, you can call them out so easily. We have Dating Amber. This looks like a, a little bit of a rom-com. Okay. And that's about it for VOD. On Blu-ray this week, we have... Uh, Brides of Dracula from 1960. It looks like there's a big office box set that's coming out. It's the complete series. Did I tell you I rewatched the whole office, U.S. office series during the, at the start of the quarantine? No, no you don't. Oh man. How'd that go? Oh, it was amazing. It was Did so good. Like, I, I, I don't know what it was. It was just, that's just the perfect thing to do during the quarantine. Just, rewatch the office from start to finish and it was just like this comfort this like just warm comfort going back through that show i just i really loved really loved it 
Bill and Ted yeah, Face the Music is coming out on Blu-ray. We have Amazon Women on the Moon from 1987. Play Misty for Me from 1971, starring Clint Eastwood. Another, uh, we've got a couple more Clint Eastwood titles here, including The Iger Sanction from 1975 mm-hmm. and The Beguiled from 1971. Beguiled. <laughs> uh, Girlfriends from 1978. War of the Colossal Beast from 1958. Tourist Trap from 1979. Love that movie. This is the uncut retro VHS packaging. Oh. It looks like it also comes with some kind of figure. It says figure. Interesting. I want to see that. I know that's been on the watch list for a while. Uh, it's so good. Get it? Yeah, I think you'll really, you'll, you'll really like Tourist Trap. We got Bustin' yeah. Bustin' Loose from 1981, starring Richard Pryor. Arrow is putting mm-hmm. Arrow is putting out Burst City from 1982. Burst City, yeah. never heard of that. Burst Burst City. I like the sound of it. So. Yeah, same here. Looks like there's a uh, Bill and Ted box set little three pack that's coming out too with all three of the movies how to make a monster from 1958 death laid an egg from 1968 looks like there's some kind of herschel gordon lewis box set that's coming out it looks let's see it contains 14 movies this is this is an arrow an arrow release and uh contains blood feast Scum of the Earth, A Taste of Blood, pretty much all the the big Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. I, honestly, not a huge fan. Like I appreciate his the the work and influence that he's had on the horror genre, but mm-hmm. I've just all of his movies I just never never liked him that much. Can't get into. Yeah, can't get into. Uh, looks like they're re-releasing. The American Horror Project Volume One that came out like quite a while ago. It looks like it's on the list here again, so maybe they they reprinted it. I'm not sure. Uh, Mortal from earlier, uh, actually from this week, last week rather. Mortal. Uh, you can check out our review for this up on the site. The Stooge from 1951, starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Seven Women for Satan from 1976. Guest House. Starring, I think Tom. No, it's Polly Shore. I almost said Tom Green. Same difference. <laughs> Is it though? That's pretty much it. Mulan looks like it's coming out on some kind of 4K edition. Uh, those other documentaries that I mentioned in the uh, VOD section, Dave not coming back and where she lies, are also coming out. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, I don't see any Criterion's coming out this week so i think that's gonna do it that's it uh thank you so much for tuning in this week if you have a moment please consider reviewing us on itunes we would appreciate that very much you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin until next week my name is adam patterson for kevin reichstraw this has been the Film Pulse Podcast. <laughs>